Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. I'm now recording. Uh, I am also recording, which means we are back for another episode of Peak Speak. Indeed. Hello. Is this your first friends. one with the fancy wall? Not that no, last week. See that. Yeah, I couldn't remember whether you had it last week or not. It looks last cool, week because you said, "Where the fuck are you?" And I said, "In the same place as always." That's right. Good point. Anyway, that's yes, thrilling content for our audio-only podcast. That's right. We've uh, we've prettied up the wall here in the barbershop slash studio for the evil rival podcast that I cannot talk about on this podcast. It's your <laughs> podcast. Check it out. I'm okay uh, with competition. Speaking of podcasts, give us five stars. That helps a lot. Yes, Thanks. it does. Share it with your friends. Show your mum. Exactly. Now, we didn't pre-organize this, but I'm just going to jump in and say that Cupid works hard in February, but our friends at Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure that your Valentine's Day yesterday <laughs> is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with your with their performance package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0. That's the thing that trims your undercarriage. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use the code PEAKSPEAK, 20% off plus free shipping. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can see past the love jungle. The uh, extra freshness provided in the performance package uh, includes Manscaped's liquid formation formulation, sorry, like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which I believe we're getting our hands on soon. Yes. This deodorant works wonders out of the shower while the toner is perfect on-the-go weapon that is designed to keep your goods smelling wonderful all day and all night long. Mm. Get 20% off free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the code PEAKSPEAK. Obtain that love jungle you have in your pants with Manscaped. And while you're taming your love jungle, you should probably probably be highly caffeinated. Thanks to our good friends at Prism Coffee Co. They are currently doing a free shipping offer with orders over like 35 maybe $40. Nice. Who knows if that's still valid when uh, this podcast goes out because we're not that organized. Uh, but you can still use the code PEAKSPEAK at checkout. Save some money on some delicious coffee from our good friends at Prism. Wouldn't recommend trimming and drinking hot coffee at the same time. But if you do it in that sequential order, you know, drink first, then trim, you'll be caffeinated. You should probably wait 15 to 20 minutes really for the caffeine to start taking effect because you really want to be just like a little bit jittery while you're trimming your tubes. So I think that's the ideal scenario. <laughs> It'll add to the vibrations. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, man. Uh, spent the weekend down the coast uh, camping for like four nights, which was cool. Um, apart from having to, well, not having to, but... Unfortunately, witnessing a man drown at the beach that I was sitting yeah. at with my uh, son, 
uh, which was pretty sad. Um, but yeah, not exactly how I had planned or intended my morning to go, but was sort of sitting there watching this unfold. I watched this guy walk into a bit of the beach that I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd swim there. That looks like it's a pretty hairy spot. And then, yeah, it all sort of unfolded from there. I fortunately managed to distract my son sufficiently that he didn't really know what was going on. And we managed to get off the beach as they were uh, dragging the body out. But um, And so he didn't really have to see any of that, which was good. But it was, yeah, a pretty full-on fucking experience. Jeez, yeah, man. man. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, I mean, he was a, so a Canberra guy. Um, <clears throat> a, a bunch of people I know knew him. He worked in defense, and uh, so, like, my dad knows who he is and that sort of thing. It's really sad uh, mm. and a, a really cold but necessary reminder of how fragile life can be because, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of so simple to... You know, watch someone walk into the beach and then I reckon it was less than 10 minutes later I saw them drag his very dead looking body out of the water uh, so yeah man it was it was full on um, but I'm alright I think I, I, I will probably over the next week or two take a little bit more time to appreciate life for what it is mm. I certainly like I went for a run this morning and watched the sunrise and went fuck glad I get to see that because he doesn't uh so yeah yeah weird but this is going to be the most morbid start of a podcast that i've ever yeah, experienced probably um but hey it's also a nice reminder that you know we should enjoy it while we're here and if you're enjoying it by listening to us blather on about powerlifting into episode whatever number we're up to at this point then more power to you absolutely absolutely there you go hmm Jeez, I don't even know what to say. Speechless. No, no, neither do I, man. I, well, I, was, I wasn't expecting us to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things. I think the more I talk about it, the the happier I'll be about it. Not that I'll ever be happy about it, but you know, I think talking about it's an important part of processing it. And, For um, sure. Yeah, man. It, it was like you said, it was f- fucking heavy, uh, mm. but could have been worse. So yeah let's shift gears ever so slightly and talk more about powerlifting because apparently that's what we do for a living yeah so you'd been uh, asked a question this week yeah so in the infinitely well organized <clears throat> preparations for this podcast that were the six or so messages we sent each other about 15 minutes before we started recording uh i mentioned i'd been asked a question by a guy who's a member at the gym who uh i haven't been coaching and have only recently started coaching uh who asked about changing his second bench day to be a more flat backed less arched position in order to you know uh target his pecs more specifically and he used that terminology and i think it represents a misconception with the transfer of like training strength through an individual muscle and how that then correlates into performance in a powerlifting context. So I think spending a bit of time unpacking the difference between training muscles to be strong and training the systematic approach that we both use to improving the skill that is involved in powerlifting as a sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this particular instance, uh, this guy competed at uh, our novice comp recently, missed his third bench and like missed it just off his chest basically because he lost all control of his upper back and and lost the ability to press from that you know one inch off the chest position and so in that scenario 
my guidance was like, hey, doing a flat back bench isn't actually going to help what went wrong there. Like it wasn't your pecs were the limiting factor. So I think, yeah, uh, we can talk about that for a bit. Yeah, for sure. Can I start off by saying that I really fucking hate the um, the language around bench when people say, oh, bodybuilding style bench, powerlifting style bench. There's one lift and it's a, it's a bench press and you can do it in a variety of shapes and sizes. But saying it's a bodybuilding or powerlifting doesn't actually change the outcome of it that much. No. It's, yeah, it's it's a really annoying way of looking at it because it, you know, that assumption based around the language changes so much of how you view that exercise or, or what you're trying to achieve with that exercise. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, the, the, the weird thing about the industry, especially as we're getting more and more of these super nerds, like super biomechanics nerds in it, is like there's a really hyper emphasis on what muscles do in particular planes and all this sort of stuff, which is well really great from a like theoretical model from a um like uh yeah purely (laughs) external view but you can never ever ever measure that like you you can't watch someone benching and be like your triceps are weak your pecs are weak you you don't know how much of any given muscle anyone's using at any point in time all we've got when we're watching someone move away from point a to b is did they get it or did they not pretty much. And then from there, we can work backwards as to changes in their positions, changes in the movement. We can sort of unwind that and and come up with ideas as to how we can then address the issue and and potentially fix it. But the, the idea of just like this muscle is weak, therefore make this muscle strong is so unfounded in what we do, uh, but it still perpetuates the industry really, really hard. Well, man, it was such a huge part of the language that we had around training when, like, you and I started coming up in this process. For sure. Like, it was, oh, you miss your bench mid-range, it's triceps. You miss your Mm. squat halfway up, it's your legs. Like, all of these sort of things. And it, I, I really thought it was dead, but unfortunately, it's not. I think it's just dead in a lot of the circles that I operate in, you know? Like, I think sometimes it's easy for us as coaches in the powerlifting realm to forget that, these discussions are happening because the discussions we're looking at and we're having are like maybe one or two steps further down the road of unpacking the process. Um, so my, but- my perspective is a little bit different. I think this pendulum swung back so far to this idea of muscles being weak or not weak that it's almost like gone further than it was before because it's like layered or veiled under this like hyper scientific approach. Yeah, but it's 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 essentially the same thing, right? Exactly. They're, just, they're, they're saying the same thing. They're just saying it with much more complex language mm. that makes them sound infinitely more impressive um, if you buy into that sort of thing. But I think, uh, like you said, that shift away from the muscle muscular focus is important because, like you said, you can't measure it unless we're going to like hook you up to a bunch of different EKGs and like do all of that testing. But even then, it's going to be so individualized from person to person that it's really hard to say and that's why i think the the discussion i always like having is recognizing that actually even if your goal is to get really big and and step onto a bodybuilding stage there's still a skill element to the strength that you're expressing right even if what you're doing is a movement that's not bench press with a barbell in a powerlifting setup there's still a skill to it and so you're still going to see an increase in output that is partially skill and partially strength and ultimately like strength itself is a skill so trying to differentiate between the two i think is just you end up chasing your tail right instead i like to look at things as it's all just a skill and maybe you just need to get better at the skill and there are times where 
a you know a secondary bench skill exposure might be targeted to a longer range of motion to make up for some of the things that maybe you don't get in a in a powerlifting setup but it's all about how you prioritize each of those ideas and how you prioritize the skill execution of the competition lift depending on where you are in a training cycle so like in this example this guy's like 16 or so weeks out from his next novice comp we're doing like benching twice a week so there's some comp bench and some like mid grip you know closer grip stuff uh but at the moment because the thing that he struggled with was his ability to control his shoulders coming off the chest or onto and off the chest i want all of his benching to look like a competition bench the rate limiter then is just shifting the grip in a little bit and meaning that he can't bench probably quite as heavy as he could with a competition bench mm-hmm. but the skill aspect is still the same it's the same movement if we switch that out to a you know say a hook lying bench which is no arch you know all shoulder blade movement big long range of motion he might get better at hook lying bench but it won't necessarily equate to an improvement in his bench press itself because you've still got to be able to integrate that skill into the complexity of the competition environment Mm. the really the really tricky thing from a lifters and even from a coach's perspective with all of this stuff is um your assessment of the validity validity of a particular approach there's so many red herrings in what we do based on just uh, time or fluke. So for example, like, let's say, uh, my perspective is that my pecs are weak and that I need to do flat back benching. So I do one competition style bench press, one flat back style bench press, and we lose sight of all the benefits of doing something like a flat back bench press. You know, maybe it's then controlling the shoulders through more range, building more resilience and stability through the position, you know, um, just doing doing extra range in general and building extra strength as a result of it so that by the time you go back to reducing that range you're a little bit stronger than you were before uh, and so you do that for ages you get better and you're like oh my pecs were weak yeah i solved the problem you know um just like the classic my triceps are weak in bench press i'm gonna do shit loads of tricep work six months later my bench has gone up five kilos oh my triceps are weak no you just bench for six months yeah, the, like it's the confirmation re- bias is really easy it is it's really easy and it's so confusing then to actually assess what are the benefits and so the way that you need to work this out is kind of look at look at the movement look at what's wrong what you perceive is wrong be like what's actually missing from this and is this exercise selection actually addressing that particular thing? Um, and that makes it sound super easy, but if you're off the money, if you're off the mark with what your assessment is, you may miss it completely or you might just fluke it. Um, that's why coaches exist, yeah. <laughs> to, to help you get on the, on the money with this stuff. Um, and even then, like early on in this, we were just kind of guessing anyway. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and we've just gotten better at guessing, you know, because we've got <clears> better <throat> at packing pattern recognition. We've got better at an understanding of like what that framework is that we consider to be ideal when it comes to position and output and things like that. Um, one of the things that I've changed in my programming language, not necessarily in what I do, but in like how I present it, to my athletes has been in the use of exercise categorizations in order to better communicate the intent behind an exercise. So having uh, like essentially a hierarchy of output exercises where the goal is load on the bar, uh, continuing to push load and volume in that respect. Then we have developmental exercises which are about rate limiting your performance based on a certain aspect of 
the movement variation itself, right? So it might be in a, in a bench scenario, you might have your competition bench as your output exercise and then something like a tempo bench is a developmental exercise because the nature of a tempo bench is it rate limits your performance and the goal is to do it really well, not necessarily to stack a ton of weight on there. So not only does that then help me give the athlete like a heavy bench exposure and a lighter bench exposure and, and frame it in a way that makes sense to them, but also helps communicate the idea that going balls to the wall in every exposure to every exercise isn't necessarily the goal. Mm. And so by being able to better communicate that, I've then, I think, got better results out of it because it's helped just clear up the murkiness around how we're talking about these things in the programming context and how each piece of the puzzle fits into the puzzle as a whole right because ultimately training for powerlifting isn't just bench press and squats and deadlifts it's a, it's training the skill it's training strength it's uh, like properly properly sequencing your training in the lead up to a powerlifting comp so that you're at your best on the platform it's all of these factors that go into developing a really strong powerlifter uh, and i think it's easy to look or it's too easy to look at just like one aspect of it like you said, change one thing, get a bunch of confirmation bias out of it, and then just lean into that idea. Mm. Yeah. Um, the the whole notion of like skill versus strength or, or training training particular muscles. It's yeah. I, as a lifter, you need to you need to consistently come back to these movements. You know, squat, bench, deadlift, and ask yourself this. You know, how much of any given muscle do I know that I'm actually using or do I know is weak or whatever uh, because if unless you can come up with a very clear obvious answer which spoiler alert you can't because no one knows that um, you've got no reason to, to justify other exercise selection as as part of or using that justification um, and so many people still continue to do it uh, you know as long as we can continue to bring things back to the movement and it's not to say that we don't do particular exercises to train certain muscles of course we do yeah. Like, of course we do. Um, it's just so funny that people will manipulate one of the main lifts uh, for this reason when there's so many better choices to target that particular muscle. Like, you want to target your pecs? Exactly. Go do a dumbbell press. Yeah. Like, why, like are you, why are you doing a cooked ass bench press where your shoulders are all over the place and you're going through extended range and you flat back and your shoulders are hurting? Go do a dumbbell press or, or yeah. fly or something. Yeah, cables or something like that, you know? And that's where I think we... We all, when we started, had gyms that were fairly sparse by necessity because we all started with fuck all for the most part. We started with fuck all and we've built it up from there. And we probably didn't have those options, you know? So we were in a position where we were using variations like that in order to specifically target aspects of different muscles and, and things like that. But now we've all got, not we've all, but a lot of us have way better equipped gyms than we've had before. And so we now have these opportunities to go and do some machine work where you don't really have to think about what you're doing. You can just fucking work. You don't have, like, you know, we reduce the complexity of these movements by giving you things like cables and machines and stuff like that that then allows you to focus on it and you just get more out of it from a training uh, efficiency standpoint. Because ultimately, like, I got into powerlifting because I'm a really fucking lazy person and so I just justified it all by claiming to be really efficient. So for me, it's about it's not just about how are you addressing the question between strength and skill, but how are you addressing the overall efficiency of what you're doing? Cause there are aspects of that. Like, you know, in, in, again, in this example, doing a flatter back bench press is maybe just not the most efficient 
choice when it comes to that secondary movement and maybe there are better options for that and in some scenarios maybe all you've got is a barbell and a rack and that's what you've got to work with and in that case then you've got to work with what you've got but having the option now to be able to give people other aspects of or other movements that are targeted to more specific things has been really cool from my point of view as a coach Mm. it gives us not just a variety in terms of keeping things fresh and interesting but means we can actually be really hyper specific about what we're trying to do with each exercise in a way that maybe you can't do when your equipment options are more limited Mm. and it's it's interesting because when you go down that road of um using a slightly more isolated approach for for this you know specific purpose it really highlights to you that by cutting out other exercises where the rate limiter wasn't the thing that would um, that should be the rate limiter uh, is just causing you to do exercises that build unnecessary fatigue. It's like, let's yep. still let's say this would be the worst justification ever, in my opinion, anyway. Let's do a bunch of beltless front squats for the sake of training core. It's like you're just making an exercise really hard that's going to tax you, but not actually going to take you anywhere near mechanical failure on the muscles that are driving the exercise, that is your legs. Uh, for the sake of training your core, go do some fucking abs. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> go do some light good mornings. You know, Do something that actually challenges your midsection in the way that you want it to be challenged in a squat or a deadlift instead of some weird arbitrary exercise that's just making you tired for the sake of making you tired. Yeah. Um, and it all just comes back to, can I actually justify this as doing the thing that it's supposed to be doing for the lift that I'm intending it to do, not just doing it because it sounds good when someone says it on Instagram. That's the harder part to, to sift through all of that. And the only way you're going to do that is to have a really clear understanding of what your interpretation of the main lift is supposed to be. Yeah. If you, if you can do that, then you can work backwards and, and figure out the best exercise selection and variations and isolation exercises to work towards what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I don't know that I really have much more to add to this conversation at this point. I mean, we can continue to unpack this idea further, but um, for the most part, I think we've covered most of it. Yeah, I mean, it's super short and sweet, which is rare for us, I guess, but why not? Let's have a short and sweet episode. Works for me. Sounds uh, good. If you have any specific questions about how badly you're justifying your terrible exercise selection, please feel free to submit them to us on our Instagram account. Podcast. I don't even know what the fucking Instagram handle is. Professionals. Yay. Just search Peak Speak. It'll come up. You'll find it. Yeah. Or ask Sam. He knows all the answers to these questions. <laughs> yes. There's the real brains behind the beauty and brawn for the Absolutely. record on beauty. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.